When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty present the Underdog Podcast. And welcome back to another episode of the Underdog Dynasty Podcast AAC edition. Uh, my name is Dan Morrison. That's Emily Van Buskirk. How are you doing, Emily? I'm good. We both got to see some crazy field storming this weekend. So I'm feeling I'm still riding the high. We did. You were at the Iowa game. I was at the UMass game. And let me tell you what, yeah. mine was better. <laughs> Yours definitely meant more to the program. I mean, obviously it's a big win for Iowa and they're very excited, but I was going to lose in the big 10 championship game anyways. It's fine. Oh no. Yeah. Oh no. doesn't matter who they play. I don't. Do you really think that? Yeah, I'm, I'm a believer I now. In, in, not, in Petros, we trust. Okay. Oh, I don't trust that offense one little bit. <laughs> not one little bit do I trust the Iowa offense, especially because and this is already off the rails, not AAC talk, but. I mean, Ohio it's State's fine. Back. We're starting. It's Ohio fine. State's back and they're back in form. Oh, no. So, yeah, I, I, I mean. After all the talk of is Ohio State dead, I, they're probably winning the Big Ten. We'll see. We'll see. Probably winning the Big Ten. I don't know. I mean, honestly, like the game that I saw, Penn State looked so, they looked very good, obviously, until Clifford went down. But the problem is they had so many guys just drop with these injuries. And it looked like to the point, like there were Iowa fans booing some of the injuries. I heard about that. Right. So I'll explain that and I'll set the record straight for everybody because my photographer was on the field while this was happening. So she had like a firsthand account. And basically what it was is that Penn state, they had a lot of injuries that were legitimate, obviously Clifford mm-hmm. going out. And then they had a guy go down in the first series mm-hmm. um, and tear an ACL and he was on crutches, but there were injuries that looked very sus. Okay. Mm-hmm. Guys that would go down at very opportune times to get a break. I'm not saying they were fake cause I wasn't yeah. there, but everybody on the field felt like Penn state was acting a little bit. And that's why the booing was happening. All so. the doctors in the nosebleeds diagnosed them as fake cramps. And no, the people on the field, I'm saying the fans caught on and started booing, but mm-hmm. I had people that were on the field were telling me yeah. it looked weird. Like they would just no, drop down when, for. So yeah, yeah I, especially when UCF had hypo in and they went that lightning fast offense teams would against them fake cramps all the time. Like it <laughs> did it really bad in 2018 where like all the linemen were like looking at the sideline. Then one was like raised his hand and sat down. It was just like, it was like <laughs> on the goal line. It's just, that's you're stuff. like, wow, be more obvious. It, it happens against like faster offenses or in big moments to like get a free yeah. time out and catch a breath. It does. It shouldn't happen. Right. There's not really a way to police it. Cause you can't say the kid's definitely faking. An you can't prove you don't it. Know yeah. It. And that's right. also why I don't like booing them. UCF fans have taken to booing a lot more injuries than they should in their own right. Right. But like you shouldn't boo the injury because you're not a doctor and you're not, you're in the stands. You don't know. 
cramps can just come on. You don't have to be like running to get a cramp. You know what I mean? In all fairness. That's true. And, but then you know, Penn State needs to do some better training yeah. and some better nutrition because yeah. they had a lot drink, of these issues. Drink a lot so. of water. I'm sure. Yeah. I was say, I'm sure they were probably faking some cramps. I didn't actually see the I game, think, so I don't want I to think it was, to it too much. That's but that, that gamesmanship does happen. I'm not naive to it. Yeah. I just don't believe you do injuries because you don't know. What's I agree. Real you don't know. They were just very frustrated because it was so, it was the most amount of injury. I mean, the first quarter took an hour to play. So, which is weird for an Iowa game because they usually, yeah. you know, go pretty quick. So something was off, but anyways, it was a great game. It was good to see. I'm doing a big story on Spencer Petras who went to my high school and I interviewed Jared Goff about it. So, um, I mean, I was exciting. I mean, the wave, oh my God, I cried. I actually cried as good. I was watching it. So, you know, that's awesome. Yeah. One of the best, newest traditions in college football, for sure. It's only been around a few years, so give it some time and it'll be one of the greatest. I mean, yeah, it's just a matter of time with that type of, uh, you know, a lot of teams will say theirs is the best no matter what. Right. But this one truly is waving, you know, kids in the children's hospital, stopping the game and everybody on the field, both teams, both coaching staffs, all the fans, everybody waves to these kids. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's incredible. So. Mm Mm-hmm. But anyways, we have some AAC stuff to discuss, I guess. Yeah, we got five games. (laughs) We We did five games. games. Yeah, we have five games that went down, and we actually, you know, that is we got to uh, watch some of them. I was excited. The goal of yeah, the goal of the podcast is to talk about those games. Yes. Um, On Thursday night, Houston forty, Tulane twenty-two, and I have a question Mm -hmm. about a former state of Texas power, formerly in the Southwestern Conference. Is Houston back? We can't just say that about every Texas team every time they be they they win a few games. Like but they we just we can't it. make that a norm. Like people want to get upset about making field storming a norm. We can't make being back a norm after a couple wins. Well, we just can't. Again, I'm I'm going to diverge off the Houston Tulane game and talk about actual Texas. And okay. I'm not going to talk about their game. People go, are, is Texas back? Texas yeah. historically is eight and four, nine and three. That's about what they are. They've got like yeah. three national championships in their history. They're a lot more talk historically than they are walk. So like right. when people say, is Texas back? No, this is what they've always been. Yeah. They never left. They've always I mean, been, they've always been behind Oklahoma. Right. Historically. They've right. always been like the second or third team, but with the most money in that, you know, whatever conference turns. So no, I'm not, when you say Texas is back, they're they never really left with. They never left. Spent. You just yeah. When you, you know when they win, when they yeah when they win a national championship, that's the outlier, not right, 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 right. Just saying. Just they're saying. they're always a winning. They're always a winning team. They don't ever go like three and you know whatever or four. Like it's very rare that they'll be under five hundred. No. But a national championship at in that school is the goal all the time yeah. with all the money. So yeah. maybe shoot a little more realistically. Well, you know have a little less meddling from your donors maybe, uh, but no, but Fair. Houston, Houston, frankly, should yeah. be undefeated right now, but they shouldn't have lost to tech. That was a really the bad tech, collapse yeah. in the second half. Uh, yeah. Other than that though, they've won all the games and these are all games they should have won. Mind you, these are right. not, it's not a terribly difficult strength of schedule to this point, but mm-hmm. it's, you know, I say this, it's good for the conference that Houston is good because well, you see mm-hmm. a little bit down with injuries right now. Memphis is a lot of it down with, we'll talk about it later. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so you do need someone to fill that gap to make sure that there's like this, you know, level of perception that the conference is there. And Houston's a, a school that people are very willing to think of as being good. So that's yeah. good for the, it's a shame again, 
same with UCF and Cincy that they're leaving the conference because, you know, that means that in a couple of years, even if they do get together, you know, well, that's gone. But right. for right now, I do think it's important that, you know, there is a third team with Houston or sorry, with the SMU in Cincinnati that competes at that level this season. Uh, on the other hand, Tulane, they're not going to make a bowl this year. I would. It's suck. really rough. It's, it's bad. You know, uh, it's bad. I cannot believe the the thing that stood out to me, and I'm not going to keep having this conversation about Pratt because we know I you know how I feel. I don't think he was that bad. He was sacked, and this isn't his fault, but he was sacked eight times. Yeah, for I a loss that, of 48 yards. Some of it's his fault, but some of it's his line. Yeah, when you get sacked, eight my times, God, when you get sacked eight times, it's usually a blend of the lines not blocking, but you're also not. But you're also not paying attention. Up. You're not. Yeah, you're, you're not, also not. Getting, you know, like mm-hmm. you know, not to divulge into Notre Dame, but that's what's happened with Jack Cohn. There's sometimes right. it's the offensive line. A lot of times he sometimes kind of runs into sacks. You know, uh, so yeah. Pratt just tries. He just tries to do. He tries to win every drive. And I'm just like, just complete passes, just move the ball down the field. And he's not doing it. It's very frustrating. Now, with that being said, I will give props for the Will Wallace 29 yard touchdown, mm-hmm. you know, just after halftime, where it looked like maybe we'd see mm-hmm. a turn, but they, they made no. a slight push for there. They the did. real issue to me with tooling is their defense. So this is not, I expect the defense yeah. to be pretty average. They're 127th yeah. in the country in scoring defense. There's 130 teams. Yeah. But on either side of them are Akron and UMass. They're allowing 40, over 40 points a game. That's not yeah. good. Uh, the turnover it's margin. It's crazy because is- the defense we saw in Oklahoma, that was, it was not the same defense that we're seeing now. What happened? No, I mean, don't get me wrong. That scoring margin's a little skewed by what Ole Miss did to them. But at the same yes. time, you know, Houston scored 40. That's about what they're lighting up a game. That's an average mm-hmm. defensive performance for them right now. That's not acceptable. You're not going to win games giving up 40 a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, their third down percentage on defense is 83rd in the country. They're giving up basically 40% of third downs. It's not good. You know, 77th is pretty average for penalty yards a game. You know, the turnover yeah. margin is 123rd in the country at negative seven. That's partially in Pratt, like we've discussed. It's also partially on a defense. It's not forcing any turnovers. So mm-hmm. through varied factors, this team is just not stopping anybody, especially early in games. You know, right. you know, ECU a couple weeks ago came out and immediately punched them in the mouth. Houston came out and punched them in the mouth. Like they yeah. were down 14, nothing before you even really blinked in this game. And that's, it's a stark contrast to the team that I saw at Oklahoma that mm-hmm. staved off Rattler and their offense early on and, and fought and created chaos and turnovers. And it's very weird. So I, you know, but all the credit to Houston, Clayton, Toon, yeah. you know, doing very what he efficient. does with three touchdowns. So, yeah, uh, absolutely. Very efficient. The Houston defense is also good at this point yeah I think you can say they're, they're good they've got some really great athletes marcus jones is like one of the most fun players to watch in the conference probably mm-hmm. at this point on his way to defensive player of the year things don't change you know what i mean yeah he's been that it's good true. you know logan hall defensive tackle for houston getting honor roll honors for the aac five tackles two sacks mm-hmm. three tackles for a loss in the game against yeah. Tulane. so yeah we mentioned how their offensive line got whipped he was a part of that <laughs> he- Logan Hall was a big part of that. So, uh, yeah, no, I mean, it's right now. I think this was a good Houston team running into a struggling mm-hmm. Tulane team. I don't think mm-hmm. Tulane's as bad as the record. I don't think Houston's probably as good as their record, but 
you know we are where yeah. we are so exactly we are where we are we're halfway <laughs> through the season that you can only say like you gotta figure you know, it out <laughs> you know but you know well, and we uh be, that's another l for me because i <laughs> keep picking two lane and yeah. i might have to stop i might have to stop i think <laughs> I, I get a buy this week from them yeah. so i'm like we only have good. like three games we'll talk about that at we some will. point in the future but like they, we only have three games to talk about yeah. for next week so you know you might not and have two lanes, not one of them. So it's good. <laughs> exactly. But you picked Houston and got the win for that one. So yeah. good job. Absolutely. Uh, okay. You know, then on Friday night, we had, you're going to be ready for this, right? Temple three, Cincinnati 52. Uh, Nippert's now, I think we have. <laughs> Nippert's not an easy place to win. No, it's not. Listen, yeah. I thought that this was okay hear me out first of all we need to give a shout out to cincinnati because the last podcast we did not give them their proper shred for beating notre dame and yeah, i that's, that's, that's partially fair. my fault i apologize for that because and listener you know who you are so this is for you um when i saw that game against notre dame in person i had some issue with the cincinnati uh basically their attitude. It really it rubbed me the wrong way. The way that they celebrated after every down, they were kind of like obnoxious in that regard. Now that that personal side doesn't take away from their football. They play amazing football. Okay. We're going to give them all the props in the world. And this week they move up to number three where they deserve to be. Okay. They beat temple. So I don't want this person who got mad at us for the last podcast to, to get mad at us this time, but it's temple. So I don't know how much we're really going to, give gold stars to a yeah, team I was, for beating a team they're supposed to be right yeah i mean this was the game i planned on talking about the least this week again right, going well, back to last week that was the biggest regular season win in cincinnati history huge and you, like you said we probably should have talked about that simple fact more right uh here. but you know what? and i know i talked about notre dame a lot but they That's got shiny helmets it. and i got it's distracted. fine you know, it's shiny fine objects. But uh, I will say this, a lot of group of five teams that I spoke with last week, including two people from Coastal Carolina, did give props to Cincinnati for helping lift up group of five and uh, put them in the spotlight and make the committee pay attention, make it hard for them to leave them out of the conversation. So Also, and I don't mean the same, but Coastal Carolina and Cincinnati should both be in New York Six Bowls. They're not going to both get there because no, that's just a mid up, but they're both top 10 teams. They're both great. They're, you, they're both great. Coastal Carolina has been a pretty much an ESPN plus to watch them game all year. Mm-hmm. And they're worth the subscription on their own because they, they are, really are that entertaining. This is not the Sunbelt podcast, but they are that good and fun to watch. Yeah. Uh, this game itself, it was only 17 yeah. to three at the half. Uh, you know, Cincinnati came out and really punched them in the mouth in the first like five minutes of the second half and Temple did not respond to it at all. Uh Temple mm-hmm. had to abandon the run, which is not a good thing to do against Cincinnati, where the strength of their no. team is, especially in defense, is that pass rush and secondary combination. And Dewan Mathis was clearly overwhelmed in the second half. Yep. He, he just so much it. so that we saw, we saw another quarterback coming. Yep. Uh, Lynch uh, <sighs> came into the game. I almost said Jordan Lynch. That's actually his older brother, the old NIU quarterback. That's right. But, but Justin Lynch. Justin Lynch. <laughs> An easy mistake to make. Uh, it's fine. Came into the game. It's really, it didn't matter who they played at quarterback right. at that point. It right. was far too late to make any real change to what was going on. And frankly, you know, at that point they could have brought in, you know, Tanner Mordecai 
and it would have, <gasps> they wouldn't have caught that. They wouldn't have caught I was off. wondering who you were going to go. I was I, like, I was, I was waiting to, to see who you're going to go with. I, I was trying to figure out who I wanted to go with. Yeah. I was, I saw long. you. I was like, this is a big choice for you right now. Well, I uh, decided to go for Mordecai because he's puts up the mass. He's increased. Yeah. He's very you impressive. Know. But no, at, at that point, it wouldn't have meant anything. Uh, you know, and it was just, yeah. I think what we saw was what we expected to. Those a team at the top of the conference versus a team that's Struggling. rebuilding. Yep. We're going to use the phrase rebuilding, but it's a play term. And they did what they were supposed to do. I will say this going forward, Cincinnati needs to figure out their kicking situation. Colton, <laughs> kicker for Cincinnati, is three for eight on the season. He missed another one against Temple. He missed two against Notre Dame. Three for eight on the year, 51% for his career. They could lose mm-hmm. the game if he misses kicks like that because if it comes down yeah. to a close one with SMU, say, and you miss a kick, you know, that could be it. You want to figure that out now. Yeah, 100%. They, they look, you know, all cylinders. Yeah, they did. Desmond Ritter, 259 yards, three touchdowns. He is the truth, absolutely. But the player of the week goes to, offensive player of the week goes to Jerome Ford, the running back. He rushed for a career high 149 yards and two touchdowns. He scored mm-hmm. on an eight-yard touchdown that put them up 17-0 in the second quarter. And he broke the game open with that 75-yard run um, mm-hmm. in the second half. He averaged 9.9 yards per carry off of mm-hmm. 15 carries. So shout out to Jerome yeah. Ford. Just bullied. For those honors. Just bullied. Just really. Re- you know what? And I went into this thinking, okay, here's a team that just beat Notre Dame. They're going to be very high. And here's a Temple team who just got their you know win. Yeah, plus and- a short week, you know. Right. I was like, you know, this is primed for some chaotic upset, but it really is hard to go into Nippert and win. They're now it's a great atmosphere. It really is. They're one of the they extended their streak. They're now it's the second longest home streak in the country behind Mm -hmm. Clemson at 31. So the the win streak in Nippert is real. Mm -hmm. And this is the stat that really bothered me. Okay, Temple, their struggle is so real in the first quarter. They've been outscored 50 to 7. In their in the five games That's in the first quarter, so if your temple, no, it's, it's not. Like you Tulsa cannot start year, like that. It's like Tulsa last season, both out that come from behind wins. Yeah, without any like redemption or retribution <laughs> or anything to follow that up. So I think if I'm Temple at this point, I'm trying to just do something to not lose that first quarter. And I feel like that would even be a moral victory. If they could just somehow come out on top in those stats in the first quarter, that would be a step in the right direction for the house. So well, that's what I'm going to be looking for going forward. Oh yeah. Temple is one of those teams this year that when we look at them, you really shouldn't be looking at them for like, Oh, you lost this game. You need to look at a little bit more in between the lines is, are you getting better in this game? USF's the same way this year. You know, we're not talking yeah. about them because they didn't play this week, but like when you, watch USF you can't be like oh man they lost that game you have to be like well did they look better than they did the week before right you know are they improving on the things that they need to improve on it's different than the way you judge a team like ECU who's a few years into the uh into the build the process yeah exactly I know that well I give a shout out to the freshman freshman kicker for Temple Rory Bell he hit a career-long 55-yard field goal the longest field goal by now's kicker Since Don Bitterlick hit one from 56 against Akron in 1975. Yeah, only so. points of the day. Needed shout them. out. Yeah, well, shout out. Kickers are people too. So Didn't get shut out. Uh, no. <laughs> SMU 31, Navy 24. This was Is so interesting. <laughs> no. no. We cannot um, say this. I think I can't. I really like what's going on at Navy midseason here because it's not something I expected mm-hmm. to see. Uh, 
uh, for those who maybe missed this game, Navy led this game 21 to seven in the first half. Mm-hmm. I got a text was, from Dan being like, what is going on? <laughs> like I, SMU, uh, Mordecai threw an interception into the end zone. Then he fumbled on the next drive and right. it set up, you know, it took points off the board and set up Navy on a short field. And really, you know, it put the midshipmen in a good position to win the game. Uh, obviously they didn't, mm-hmm. you know, I think ultimately SMU's offense is too explosive for what Navy was doing. And the other thing SMU did very well was they didn't let Navy's uh, offense wear them out the way they wore out UCF's defense, you know, against UCF's uh-huh. defense there on the field for like 40 to something like that minutes. This game was much more of a 50, 50 split. So fresher legs at the end of the game helped SMU get stops when they needed it. Um, mm-hmm. But SMU was also very one dimensional in this game. They could only throw the ball. Uh, Bentley was limited. He's been dealing with a little uh, injury thing. And mm-hmm. they just had no running game to speak of. And that I think, yeah. you know, Newberry drew up a pretty good game plan. And I think Navy is rolling a little bit more, especially now that the offense is holding the ball longer, they're moving the ball. That helps the defense out so much there. Do you think, and and I don't know if this is, it's, this has anything to do with it or not, but do you think that Navy's head coach stepping up for that, for his coach and showing that fire when all that stuff was going on earlier in the turmoil, maybe spurred this team a little and gave them kind of a fire. I do think it probably like, I think a lot of the players probably rallied behind uh, yeah. Ivan Jasper on offense. I also think two other key things have happened. They've moved to Ty Lavate at quarterback. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been a big beat the drum for Xavier Arline guy, but the fact of the matter is, is he wasn't com- uh, comfortable in the offense yet. And that's right. just clear. I think his athleticism is there where he can be successful in that offense, but he clearly wasn't confident and decisive in his reads, you know? Right. And Alavate, who is a guy we had not seen a ton of up until he became the guy, uh, he is confident. He is decisive. And he's a little bit of a stronger runner. He's not as athletic, but he'll run through you a little bit better. I think that's what Navy needs right now. So I think that change is massive for them. Right. And the other thing is I, well, you might rally around, uh, what was going with offense coordinator? The truth is that Ken couldn't keep Jasper on as quarterbacks coach if he was going to let him keep calling plays because then it's just a ceremonial thing. And I don't think their AD was going to go for that. And Ken's the one calling plays now. So I don't know how much of a difference that makes, but that is a change in how the offense is going to flow as a different play caller. Okay. So I think those are the is, things. Yeah, so I agree nine, with you. Nine players on Navy carried the ball in this game. That type I see, of, I see the, that. That type of like, which guy's going to touch at this play thing is so difficult. It makes it hard to defend. Yeah, and that's what's great about sure. the triple option. It's misdirecting you. It's putting you on one-on-two situations defensively. It's putting you yeah. in these situations where you don't know where the ball is going. And that's why it's so difficult to defend. It's not... It's not as simple to defend as people think. Like I know everyone will say you have to be assignment sound and that's true, but there's more going on than just being assignment sound, you know? Mm-hmm. So it is weird to look at a box score and see a quarterback go four for seven for 64 yards and one yeah. touchdown, and he, but he frankly threw a lot. <laughs> so, seven attempts is a lot. And Navy. Yeah. I mean, I know it's the way Navy weird. likes to use the passing game as to, once your safeties are basically you're playing like a 10 man box, then they'll mm-hmm. just like run a couple of guys on like a seam route or something like that to like beat you because you're not paying attention to them. That's basically the only time they do is to basically keep you off the line. It's not a, uh, 
it's not a thing they like to do. Right. Well, two things I'll say, Mordecai, 30 for 40, 324 yards, more touchdowns than interceptions, which is the Tanner Mordecai way continues to be how SMU is successful. Just do better than you do bad. Yeah. I mean, we talk about Pratt's turnovers a bunch. Mordecai's got more. But he does, but he makes up, up for them, right? He's that's, also just throwing for 500 yards and five right. touchdowns a game, basically. Which, that's the only way that that's acceptable. And then shout out to the um, special, te- special teams player of the week, Brian Massey, safety mm-hmm. for SMU. He had a 95-yard kickoff return for a touchdown. And they needed to eight, it. Yeah, when they needed it to aid in the 31-24 win. Um, it came when SMU was trailing 21-7, and they say it sparked the comeback. For the Mustangs. So um, it it was, it was a huge momentum play. Yeah. First kickoff return for a touchdown by an SMU player since CJ Sanders hundred yard return against Mm -hmm. Navy as well on November 23rd, 2019. So yeah. And like special um, teams are people too. (laughs) And on the whole, I know it was a close win for SMU and that could concern Mm -hmm. some people. I don't have too many concerns about it. Navy's. We knew it was going to be a tough game. You know, Navy's a difficult team to play, even when Navy's not particularly good. It's a tough place to go in and play, especially at Navy. Uh, I think Navy's figured some things out. I think that going forward, a lot of teams are going to have really long, difficult days against Navy, whether they win or not, they're going to be long, difficult days. And, uh, you know, they're going to be like, I thought Navy wasn't good looking at the record or looking at like the first month of the year. And I think Navy's a pretty, I think they've evolved into a pretty good formidable team to play right now. You know, not elite, but pretty good. Yeah, they are good. They're definitely a team to watch as they climb up in the rankings and Mm -hmm. they keep putting points on people. I mean, uh, I talked to Memphis defensive coordinator, Mike McIntyre, and he said it best. Defense does not matter. People, people don't care about defense. It does matter. People don't care about it. They care about offense, which is why SMU is like the perfect prototype for college football right now. Sonny Dykes does that very well. So definitely a team to keep an eye on. Yep. Uh, ECU two more games. Yeah, we have two more games. ECU 16, UCF 20, UCF one on a last minute touchdown run from Mark Anthony Richards. Uh, mm-hmm. Another know, game you texted me about because I did, you because were worried. I, well, so like I got home from the UMass UConn game and mm-hmm. I like put on like I've got two screens going for the Notre Dame Virginia Tech game and then this game it was just another was, crazy game. You just like, like they were testing your oh, your nerves nonsense. this weekend. <laughs> it was this weekend was nonsense for me. Yeah. Uh, but you know they all won so true. But they, they made you work for it. They did make you work for it. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to start talking about the Notre Dame quarterback situation. Yeah, we're not going to. Yeah. It's, it's a whole other thing. It was a wild one. But they won, so it's, it's fine. Like, but It's not fine. <laughs> <laughs> Notre Dame's got to buy a week and they need it. That's all I'll yeah. say. At uh, least they didn't lose. I really thought that they, like, they going into that, that, that. They deserve to well. lose. They were the worst team, if we're being honest. I'm uh, proud of East Carolina for putting I, up some, some fight here. You know? I, ECU put up a really good game. Here's what yeah. I'll say really quickly because okay. it deserves to point out. ECU is a you know, last second field goal in a like 30 seconds left touchdown away from being five and one in the year. Mm. And, you know, a lot of people are going to say, well, you're three and three, which first off is a lot better than a lot of people thought they'd be. Right. But for being honest, this is, but I really just want to point out, this is a couple of close losses away. If you flip the script, if, you know, ECU gets a goal line stop, if a kicker acts like a college kicker and slices the ball off to the right, from being one of the best teams in the conference, at least based on the record, 
I really think ECU is growing into be this very good, formidable team as long as Mike Houston's there. You know, I love Mike Houston for this program. I mean, we said this in the beginning of the year. Yeah. Uh, He's just doing everything right. And it may not turn into the win column notches just yet, but like you said, they're, they're in that conversation. So, yeah, well, this is oftentimes the first step before you have a really great breakout years. You've got a year where you have, you take these close losses and you then need to find Mm -hmm. a way to win those close games. It's, you know, it's very rare. You see what happened with the UCF in 2017, where they went from, you know, zero and zero or sorry, zero and 12 to six and seven to 12 and oh, or 13 and oh, when it was all said and done, you know what I mean? Like, it's just rare that you have those big, huge hops in a team. Usually you have to see it go more like two and 10 to four and eight, to six and six, yeah. and three. you know, yeah. it builds more than it explodes. And that's what he sees doing here. I think they're building a very good job. I think the defense, especially their secondary has been so improved. Uh, you know, he got a lot of airtime in this game, rightfully so, but Jaquan McMillan uh, has been excellent in that secondary. Uh, Juan Powell got the interception in the game for ECU. These are talented guys, and they're going to be able to build on this and, you know, going forward, not just this year, but next. And I think, I mean, I definitely think ECU is a bowl team this year. Um, I'm, still yeah. not, I'm still not thrilled with Aylers in this game. I thought he made a few mistakes, especially in the red zone. I thought I mean, that there's several he, times. He threw the game for more yards the Mikey Keeney threw for more yards. The Mikey Keeney threw so. more yards than the true freshman in his second career start. Is that <laughs> something we're aiming for with our fourth year senior? Better is better. Okay. okay. So there, more is saying, more. Okay. I'll, I'll talk about Mikey Keeney in a second, but like, <laughs> Ehlers, <laughs> oh, and, no. And it's not, no, it's not negative. It's not negative, but okay. like, Ehlers okay. just had opportunities where I felt like he should have run the ball instead. He either okay. forced into traffic or threw incompletions. I thought that his decision-making just wasn't perfect. He wasn't terrible, but I still think that I wish his decision-making was a little bit more first off decisive. I wish he ran with the ball a little bit more because it's a great skill set he has that he doesn't take advantage of at all. Right. Uh, You know, I just, I think that he, he just never got over the hump. He's solid, but he's not where I think in like 2018, when he first started playing for AC, where I thought he could be. And that's the frustrating thing is, you know, a couple more plays out of him and ECU wins this game. Uh, on the UCF side of the ball, Mikey Keene, he was fine. I think the thing with Keene is you look at him and you have to remember that he's 18 years old and that he's showing a lot of promise, but there's also those, you know, times when he just looks like a freshman who is adjusting to the speed of the game. I think that UCF needs to continue to like give him very easy throws and very easy reads and get the ball to like Ryan O'Keefe Sands, who's a playmaker at like 10 catches in this game. Uh, you need to lean on the running game, even if your top two running backs are injured right now. And, uh, you know, RJ Harvey and Isaiah Bowser, they're both injured right now. You got to lean on, you know, Mark Anthony Richards. You need to lean on uh, Richardson. And you just need to do your best to score as many points as possible as the defense looked better. Uh, Another yeah. season-ending injury on the UCF defense, though. Kalia Davis, the best uh, interior defense yeah. lineman, he's done for the year. That's good. Mm-hmm. Not really. Um, so the injuries <coughs> I are hate to see up. it. Yeah, incredibly snake bit year for UCF injury-wise. It's I'm not going to say it's going to cost them anything major this year because I don't think they were going to beat Cincinnati anyways. You know what I mean? At full yeah. strength, I don't think they go into Nippert and win, but they're definitely not going to now with all these injuries. It's unfortunate, but... uh. I'll tell you what's going to be a learning experience for Mikey Keene. Yeah, absolutely. You speak about the defense. Well, UCF 
actually had defensive player of the week honors for Tatum Bethune, who had a career high 17 tackles. Yeah. He, he was really a bright spot. He he missed uh, the Mm -hmm. Navy game with a concussion. Um, Right. Well, well, he came uh, back in a big way. (laughs) He did. And a huge part of this game was that uh, Keaton Mitchell for ECU had 222 yards against Tulane. UCF held him 65 yards. You know, they did not Mm -hmm. give up those easy yards. They did not get blown back for stuff the way they did in the past two weeks against Louisville and Navy and the way that right. you just did to Tulane. So that was a huge difference in this game was how well the UCF defense played in run support. Yeah. Bethune had 11 solo stops, mm-hmm. um, and he figured in the tackle on 24% of East Carolina's offensive plays. So shout out Tatum Bethune for his yeah. all-over-the-field play in the victory. Yeah. And at the end, of the, I think turnovers were probably the biggest deciding mm-hmm. factor in this. It was three to one. Uh, ECU had three turnovers, a couple fumbles in the INT. ECU yeah. was only turnovers on Mikey Keen interception. We'll take it. Yeah. I mean, it was a very good game. I think ECU's not anyone to be messed with. I think UCF is still rich in athletes. Figuring it out. They're figuring yeah. it out. They're, they're rich in athletes, but they've, they do have a first-year coach, and which means first-year assistants yeah. on both sides of the ball, and they're injured like no one else is injured in this conference. Yeah. Um, you know, so I think those are two good teams who played a good low-scoring. Surprisingly enough, it was a low-scoring game. Right. Uh, exactly. The next one and the last one we have to talk about was the opposite of that. <laughs> Memphis. Not a low-scoring yeah. game. <laughs> Memphis 29, Tulsa 35. And I'll tell you what, Oof. you can't blow a three-score lead if you never have one. Mm. Facts. Those are big facts. I got to tell you that this was the ugliest uniform combination I I've ever seen. I actually have that on my notes right here. It's uniforms then parentheses. <laughs> Yuck. I, I didn't want to tweet about it because I felt so bad. Yeah. And I even hate saying so, this, but what was that? Okay. So I know that Tulsa did a throwback uniform. I just didn't care they for it. awful. I don't like oh, the no. red and gold together. I think it looks weird. I and thought it was SMU when I saw the game. I was like, oh, SMU's playing. But no. SMU doesn't wear gold. And I think it's there's a no, reason for but... it that we saw there. Uh, <laughs> no, but then Memphis on the other side of it, with their like oh, black the and white helmets. Uniforms, they look like there's something wrong with the TV. Like the coloration. The tiger stripe helmets. No, like I thought Memphis it was a zebra stripe. I was like, what is this? Memphis's uniforms are usually really good too. Like the blue and white yeah. top in a really nice way. And I don't yeah. know why they do it once or twice a year where they wear like gray or black and it doesn't make sense to me. It's like when Iowa State wears black for big games, it just it's ugly. It doesn't work. The black and white, I didn't mind. It was the helmets that really just no, the zebra I, stripes. Both of them. Off. Both of them wore not good uniforms and they yes, also clashed agreed. a little bit with each other. I yes, think. it was not, it was unpleasant, displeasing to the eye to look at. But yeah. that aside, on. once not you get over that, yeah. The UCF ECU had a nice uniform game. That's what you should they did. look like. They did. They did. So. Uh, but no, other was, than the uniforms, there was some good football in this game. It was a fun game to watch. It really yeah. was. I, you know, this is one of your options to watch into this game after Alabama lost AM. So I think that's when a lot of people tuned into it. Yeah. And it was better than the Arizona UCLA game that was on. Obviously. So. <laughs> yeah. so, better yeah, than we'll Arizona football. Yes. There you go. Which b- was leading UCLA at some point and people were freaking out, but it's fine. <laughs> everything's fine. It's fine. No, it's, it's, it's fine. <laughs> um, and okay. I'll, I'll start. Memphis's yeah. running game went missing again. Oh, no. And Tulsa's oh, no. did not. Tulsa ran no. right through Memphis. And I think if we want to talk about what was the difference in the game, it's Tulsa won the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. 
And that's a huge factor. I think that's how Tulsa needs to win games going forward is to be the more physical team in the trenches and just make you make it unpleasant to be playing against them, you know, run, try to run through you because they're not athlete wise. They don't compete with a team like Memphis. They don't, but if they can run through you and you can't do what you want to do at the last scrimmage to them, (laughs) a lot of that gets negated. And that's, I think a huge part of what happened here. I do also want to say Seth Hennigan from Memphis is flashing so much potential every week as a quarterback. He Mm -hmm. threw for over 400 yards, I want to say, in this game. But he also threw for two interceptions, and that's one of those things when you're a freshman is you need to avoid those mistakes. We talked, you know, we just talked about Mikey Keene and how UCF needs to make it very simple for him right now because it's so fast for him. Uh, We've talked about how Michael Pratt, a sophomore, you know, makes those mistakes and throws too many interceptions and fumbles too often. Uh, right. You know, you can go down the line of young quarterbacks and it's the same story. Every time you need to limit your turnovers, that's the biggest thing. It's great that you can be explosive like that, but if you, you know, give up the ball three times in a game, well, that's going to cost your team almost every time. And yeah, you know, it was a huge part of why they lost this game was that he struggled <laughs> with his turnovers. Uh, yeah. You know, it also didn't help them Memphis miss three field goals, by the way. That doesn't help when you lose by, <laughs> no, like, that's, by my count six. So yeah. yeah. Uh Calvin Austin, 200 yards. So that yes. still works. Believe it or not, yes. the best receiver in the conference is still the best receiver in the conference. He earned him honor roll, um, AAC honor roll honors. I'm surprised so that he only got him honor a- roll, to be honest. I- I know. Well, if you could only pick one offensive player of the week, it was Jerome Ford, obviously. So he gets in the honor roll, but Tulsa getting two players in the honor roll um, mm-hmm. mentions running back Shamari Brooks, yeah, 126 one. yards, two touchdowns. Yep. And Justin Wright linebacker career high, 14 tackles and a sack. Yeah. yeah massive day for both of them. Also Anthony yeah. Watkins, uh, the other running yeah. back that, or one of the other running backs that Tulsa has, uh, 68 yards and touchdown. He went beast mode on one of his touchdowns on did. his touchdown run. It was like a 45 ish yard touchdown. I think like the 44 yard run. At, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was like 38 yards were after first contact for like six or seven broken sent, like broken tackles. He was dragging Memphis defenders. It was, <laughs> it was incredible. If you haven't seen it, you should definitely go look at the highlight. I tweeted it out on my, uh, time. I tweeted it out on my Twitter account, the video. Perfect. Of it. Check it I'm out. Probably buried by not since you don't care about by now, but that's all good. I'll go retweet it right now. I'm going to go retweet it. <laughs> so it's not buried. <laughs> yes. And it's because it's worth uh, seeing. It's very, very impressive. Yeah. You know, here's something I'll tell you. Memphis had 200 more yards of total offense than Tulsa. Just by, I think, 197, technically. But they had those three turnovers, huh. and that Tulsa didn't have those turnovers. And that really was, again, I talk about turnovers a lot, but if you can force turnovers, you're more likely to win games. You're stealing possessions. You're giving yourself short fields, and that <laughs> will almost always lead to wins. It led to a win here for Tulsa. They also had uh, Bryson Powers at the end of the game had a fantastic interception. It was just, you know, not a great throw by Hennigan, but it was a tough luck that got intercepted. Is It was a great right. play. And, you know, Tulsa was the better team. I, you know, I think right now, I don't. They definitely know. needed it. No, they so... needed it bad, yeah. yeah. I'm not 100% sure what I think of Tulsa right now. I think that they're a team that yeah. has definite issues. But Agreed. they also have a lot going for them. I think they've got a really strong running game. I know that they've got a good defense when it wants to bow up, I, especially on the line. The guys like Jackson play are very good. You know, it's a good core of linemen on both sides of the ball. 
you know, I'm not sold on Davis Brennan as quarterback. I think the secondary still has some issues to work out ever since, you know, they lost a couple of guys to the transfer portal. I'm still yeah. not sold on Philip Montgomery, frankly, but I think that's a team that it's a team where you can at least see where they can win games and how they can do it. Memphis, right. on the other hand, is falling apart at the seams. I don't know what to make of it. Honestly, it's, you know, it, it started out like so hopeful. And you, we'll go back and I think review their September and see it a little bit through a different light in a month Maybe. or so, especially, I mean, they beat, who did they beat so far? They've beaten an FCS team in uh, Nichols, right? I'm not looking at Let's see. Football. They've beaten Nichols, Arkansas state, but terrible. they beat Mississippi state who, on that very fluky, badly called play that we really liked. Well, it, it was a great, I enjoyed it. That play. And I'm not taking anything away uh, from Memphis or, you know, doing that. And but then they, it they lose. Play. It was a fluky lose, game. <laughs> I don't and want to talk about that. They lose to UTSA, which is a fair loss because UTSA is very they good. Might, they might run the table. In conference yeah. UTSA. But then the Temple loss is kind of what turned the tide for them. I swear. It's yeah. like that Temple loss was bad. And then now they lose to Tulsa. Well, and so. the thing with the UTSA loss, though, is they blew a 21 nothing lead. And I yeah, think that, that shoots your confidence in the foot right there. That like yeah. that's something that'll stick with you. Then you blow a 17 point lead to Temple, a team that you should have beaten because you are better than them. Mm-hmm. And I think you know all of a sudden you now start this. to get yeah you start to spiral a little bit. They're still you better. Playing. They better stop it before Navy because if... oh they'll I think they're gonna have trouble with Navy. Oh no, the way Navy's it's just two teams trending in opposite directions. You know. Yes. No, I don't yeah. know. Is Memphis one of the teams with the bye next week? No, they are not. They play no. on Thursday against Navy. So yeah, they... Navy at Memphis. I was actually thinking about going out for that game. Um, I mean, Navy always gives Memphis trouble too. Like last year, Navy yeah. was awful all season, not just in September. And it was like a 10 to 7 game. Memphis couldn't get their offense going at all. You know, I mean, years past, Navy's beaten Memphis and given them really close games. And so I don't. I mean, we'll do a preview show soon. This isn't what that is, though. But I'm going right. to say, I, right now, I'm probably taking Navy in that game. You know, and after that, I'll go through it. Na- Navy, UCF, SMU, ECU, Houston are the next five games for Memphis. Yeah. If they play the way they've played the last it's not gonna get easier. two and a half-ish games, you probably lose four of those at least. You know? Yeah. You know, at UCF is never easy, even though UCF's got those injuries. SMU is just better than you. East Carolina, we just talked about how improved they are on both sides of the ball. Houston, well, we've talked about them a lot too, about how good they've become, especially on defense. That defense swarms. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, they end the year with Tulane coming to the Liberty Bowl. They, you know, we'll see what Tulane is at that point. They've got a lot to work on themselves, but yeah. You know, I, I you've got to catch yourself now if you're Memphis. So you do have to beat Navy because you, especially if you're Ryan Silverfield, you can't let the season get away from you because, well, it's your first year that isn't a pandemic as the head coach. It's how people yeah. are going to start to look at you. You know, they're going to. And it's crazy if you go through. I'm just. I can't get over. I'm looking at the stats from the from this game, Tulsa Memphis game, and you go down the column. 
Memphis had them bested in almost every category. Except turnovers. Except turnovers. And that is just the glaring difference. It's weird. Time of possession, which I know you don't care for, but they had the ball more. They had more first downs. They had more yards. Everything. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And like I mentioned, they didn't have a couple more yards. They had 200 more yards. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and it's total yards. It's crazy. Total yards is an imperfect statistic. It is because a lot of teams are designed to bend but not break. And they want to hold you right. to field. Oh, by the way, 0 for 3 on field goals does need to be mentioned in that stat line. Yes, uh, that, of course. That's three drives that you didn't finish with any points whatsoever. You know, that goes towards having a ton of yards, but not the points to show for it. Yeah, it's doing a lot. And and it's also why it, total yards isn't perfect is because you don't, if you don't finish a drive, it looks like you did well, but not really. It doesn't count for anything. Right. You know, yeah, the, the definition of working hard, but not smart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. So exactly. Well, how did we do on the uh on the side where we pick games over there? I I'm just kidding. I already know how we did, but was, you could tell. I, I have a confess I have a confession. I, oh, forgot what? To, I forgot to add them up for this week. Oh, okay. Well I let don't me have uh, last week's in front of me. Let me do it for you. I don't know the totals, but for this week, I, I was two of three. Mm-hmm. And you were four and one. Two, two, which, two and three, four and one. one. I must have picked Memphis, didn't I? Yeah. That would be the yeah. Memphis. Yep. Yeah, I picked Memphis. That's yeah. a shame. Yeah. I will, when I have the numbers in front of me, because like I said, I completely forgot right. to do my little addition. No worries. <laughs> uh, I will update us on the next episode of where we're at uh, overall. Yep. But uh, yeah, no, I, I thought it was a very fun, entertaining week. I thought we really only had one game. Well, the end of Houston Tulane wasn't great to watch, but I thought the Temple Cincinnati game was the only game where it was like, ugh, boring to watch. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. yeah. Uh, so good week. Short, small, small slate of games next week. Only three of them. Yeah, we'll it's going to be. Yeah. You know, we'll talk about those. I think we're going to do a little something special too. Uh, yeah. Because we're not going to have a ton to talk about for the preview episode. And uh, got anything else? I really don't. I kind of, everything was in, in that little, the preview I, I'm taking, I, well, unless I go to Memphis, I'm taking this week off hmm. from travel and cover. So hopefully I will be able to get to see all the games and have a different perspective, even though there's only three, but <laughs> you're, I'll you're get gonna, to watch them all. <laughs> you're going to end up going to Memphis on Thursday. You're going to go to somewhere else on Friday. And then on Saturday no. you'll be in, you know, we were looking at clemson syracuse and then buffalo saturday because i've never been i've never been to syracuse i've never been to buffalo and i've always wanted to go um but the carrier dome is nasty i just it's a long trip renovated and it's still nasty like you don't need to see the carrier dome i'm saying might lose that game too which is crazy i i hope clemson loses they might they just might this is not they should have lost to bc if Dracovic was healthy they would have lost to bc by a couple scores and yeah. even then they should have lost because Grossell should have caught that snap. But, you know. It's crazy. That's what you get for uh, going to Needham University, I think is the joke. Needham University. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, because Boston College is neither a college nor is it in Boston. Ah, uh, got it. <laughs> That's funny. It somewhere in there. I, think I like it. That they're technically in. I like uh, it. Yeah. Yeah, that's the... Uh, took a tour when I was in high school for Boston University humor right there. We appreciate it. All, all, even even your humor, Dan. We appreciate it yeah. on this podcast. So and, uh, 
at the end of my rope for that. You can find me at Dan underscore Morrison 96. You can find me at M-L-N-E-M-E-M-I-L-N-E-M. All right, and we're off.